Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Weekly Preview Show. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and Rivalry Week is here. I'll tell you what, I'm fired up for it. I know the guys are too, but before we get to that, let's take a quick look at how we did last week. Yuck! Shit, <laughs> well done there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, like some greens, some reds, but I'm going to tell you this. It's fascinating how it laid out, all right? Let's go ahead and bring in the start of the show. I've got something to give to you guys here. So first off, obviously, so good to see you guys. Right now, as we sit heading in to Rivalry Week, the last week of the regular season, you guys sit 106 and 106 at a perfect 50% line right there. So this is the week that you guys are going to blast it. First up, Michael Roberts, how are we doing, sir? We're doing great. And just want to wish you guys all a happy and safe Thanksgiving and safe part because this is one of those nights where people like to, you know, got to get up early in the morning, go to the bar, hang out, meet your friends. Well, the cops know that too. They're out there. So be safe on that aspect. If you do go to these bars, get an Uber or a designated driver. Micah, that is excellent advice. I wish a coordinator of the Tennessee Titans would have taken that advice after one of the Packers. Yeah. 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 Going a hundred miles an hour down the road. That's not never good, but that is good advice. And for anybody that is in college watching this show, dude, the night before Thanksgiving, like when you were like a freshman or sophomore in college, it was the best night because you came back to your town, all of your friends who did went to different schools. You caught up. It was nice. Chip Patterson. How was your pre Thanksgiving college evenings for you? back in the day fun time legendary i mean i'm not kidding they were absolutely legendary whoever was playing in the noodle music band of choice would always be playing a show at one of the music halls in downtown raleigh and i you say freshman or sophomore year of college daggum these these extended until we started having kids like we were still going (laughs) with our blackout wednesday nights yeah that's right it's black friday it's thanksgiving and it's blackout wednesday we were still having these legendary wednesday nights before thanksgiving because on christmas everyone's social schedule is a little bit different this is really the only one that brings everybody into the same place at the same time so uh, much love to all the Broughton Noodle music out there. I'm sure the Southland Ballroom, if it was still standing, would have somebody playing like a 12-minute jam right now uh, of Deborah, you know, by Beck. But right now, you know, I, I think we're packing it in and we're a little bit easier now that we're, uh, we're married with two kids. Yeah, you know, understandable. And uh, I like to think that, like, you and your tag team partner, Tom Fernelli, were like, I mean, y- y'all were boys back then. You know what I mean? Like, I like to assume that. And you guys were just handling everything at the bar, Tom. How we doing, sir? What about you? How were your pre-Thanksgiving college nights there? Uh, honestly, my pre-Thanksgiving college nights weren't any different than every other night of the week. I was out. I was drinking. Yeah, boy, I was having I was a good out. time. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, holiday, non-holiday, whatever. It's dollar night at Brothers. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Consistency. That is the true mark of a champion right there. And Jacob Fetner, you're a Florida grad. How was it down at Gainesville, man? I mean, Gainesville was great. We'd always uh, play a bunch of pickup when we come home, come home. Luckily enough, all of my friends from high school ended up going to the UF, so uh, didn't miss them for for too long. Uh, we'd we'd always hang out and uh, see each other every weekend, pretty much. You know, uh, last week was a, a little rough. There was a lot of reds on that board, as we saw, but we're ready to bounce back. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we are, and you know what, the college football season 
you know, peaks and valleys, man. Peaks and valleys. It is what it is. But like I said, we sit 106, 106 right there to attack and get the job done. So let's jump into it. Our storylines that are affecting the better lines for rivalry week of college football. Chip, I'm going to come right at you, man. Egg bowl, buddy. Talk to me here. Okay, a couple motivational angles. Obviously, Lane Kiffin taking pictures of his sweatpants and roasting TV reporters on Twitter. There, There's a lot that's going on there. There's a lot that's going on with whether Lane Kiffin is going to be the head coach for Ole Miss next year. For Mississippi State, Mike Leach is still looking for his first Egg Bowl win. This game is in Oxford, but this is something that's a little bit unique because – while Lane Kiffin is the portal king and while he has done a great job of being able to use the transfer portal to keep Ole Miss competitive, you know, keep them uh, among the top teams in the SEC from year to year. It also means that you've got guys from California. It means that you've got guys from Texas. It means you don't necessarily have as many players from Mississippi. So, you know, while Mike Leach came in as the SEC outsider, his roster actually has a little bit more of a Mississippi tilt to it. So as we're trying to weigh all the motivational angles to that Egg Bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, whether it's Lane Kiffin uh, and the coaching carousel, whether it's Mike Leach back against the wall trying to get his first Egg Bowl win, also remember that one of these teams has a little bit more Mississippi on it. That's a good point. You always want to have a little bit more Mississippi in it, you know, but especially uh, like for this game, for sure. Um, It does mean something. Absolutely. All right. Fernelli, coming over to you, man. Live betting. Talk to me here. Yeah, I think this is the greatest weekend for live betting that you can have because there are, obviously, as Chip was just talking about, like you think of the Egg Bowl, there are so many variables. We don't know how fired up Ole Miss is going to be going into that game. You know, it, the line we've seen move. Chip talked about the angle of players and the rosters who might care or might not care about this rivalry, but that's not the only situation. There are plenty of other games where some teams have something to play for, some teams don't. Some teams might, you know, be thinking ahead to next week where they have bigger fish to fry in a conference championship. Some players might be thinking about entering the transfer portal. So for me, on this weekend, I kind of like to wait to see games start a little bit. Like instead of getting my bet in pregame, I want to see what happens to get the vibe off of what I'm seeing and then respond to that. So I think because of that, because of all the motivation questions that we have for certain teams, because of maybe coaches who spent some of the last week interviewing for other jobs, maybe they're not as prepared for this week's game. You kind of get a much better sense of what to expect once the game starts. So I think that live betting is in this week in particular an excellent choice. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, That's pretty smart there. And also, you brought up an excellent point as well. Um, When we get to these bowl games that are outside the college football playoff, um, the transfer portal could be insane. Like, this could be the most crazy transfer portal season that we've seen. Motivations for teams, et cetera. It's going to be nuts. It's absolutely going to be nuts. So, yeah, we'll get there when the bowl games get here, but an excellent point by you. All right, now, Micah. Coming over to you, man, the Heisman Trophy. Where do we sit right now? What are the odds? What do you see? Yeah, updated uh, Caesar Sportsbook odds. CJ Stroud is the minus 110 favorite. But moving up from last week, big is Caleb Williams. He is now even money. Uh, Blake Corum, 15 to 1. Max Duggan, 30 to 1. Jaden Daniels at 41. And then right behind the Knicks and Bennett is Drake May at 100 to 1. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, seeing how he's got such great numbers. But the one here that looks, it's, it's going to be like two games, right? It's kind of like a two-game trial here for the voters and everybody around to see who is going to be the Heisman winner this year. And I don't necessarily think it's Stroud. I mean, what if Michigan wins? Blake Corum has a big game. I think that's a tilting point there. And same with Jaden Daniels. What if he beats A&M this week, right, and then beats Georgia – He's the leading rusher. He's got 11 touchdowns rushing. He's the the passer that's put the team on his back, beat Georgia if that happened. I think that's a pretty good resume at 40-1 to to win the Heisman in where no one's the clear-cut favorite. So that's my update. Yeah, no, I I love it, man. And first off, you know, appreciate those numbers and where we sit. And two, I mean, you bring up another good point. Like, it it really is a a two-game playoff, so to say, right? So, yeah, I'm fascinated to see. Yeah, man, I'm fascinated to see. Uh, breaks down. All right, let's get into our best bets for this week. And I tell you what, Chip, I'm going to start right at you, man. We got Florida State and Florida. All right, it's in 
Tallahassee, Florida State, a nine and a half point favorite. You're going with the Seminoles here. Yeah, you would think I would keep it nice and tight because I am, you know, one of the few that's uh, above five, fully above 500, 41 and 34 on the season. You don't want to let my stink from last week linger. But if you don't think that I'm having to spray the board Saturday at the end of the regular season, you don't know Chip. So here's what we're doing. We are <laughs> dialing in on Friday night and we are going to hitch ourselves to what, Tom? An absolute wagon. Oh, wagon. Florida State has been crushing teams. And we were talking like 31 points, 34 points, 25 points. And when you want to look at uh, whether it's yards per play, yards per play allowed, when whether you want to look at success rate, whether you want to look at points per drive, points per drive allowed, the teams that show up at the top of these rankings, it's like, oh, hey, Georgia, makes sense. Ohio State, makes sense. Michigan, makes sense. And the Florida State Seminoles are as dominant on both sides of the ball and have been down this stretch as anybody else in the country. And so there's one extra little sprinkle on here, uh, Chick-fil-A nugget, as my man A.B. likes to say. And it is that since 2007, though this rivalry between Florida and Florida State you know, has been a lot of back and forth, a lot of winning streaks, the individual results are usually not close. Since 2007, only two times has the final margin been single digits. One of those was 24 to 21 a year ago. Uh, Florida's won three in a row. Florida State is the better team, and I, I think they win this thing by double digits and follow the historical trend. Wow. that that Give me that stat one more time. That's a great one. Since 2007, only two times has Florida State and Florida been decided by a single-digit margin. Wow. They've all been double digits one way or the other. Yes, yeah, so the years are ranked by double digits. We all know that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. No, Tom, I'm, just I'm, I, I'm not confident this weekend. It's it's going to get ugly, especially with Ventrell Miller out for the first half and our safeties banged up. Could get ugly real quick. Well, I, I was going to say, I, Florida was playing great football, and then you went to Vanderbilt. I don't know what in the hell happened other than Vanderbilt's coaching staff. Phenomenal. But, mm -hmm. I, dude, I, I, I was I was riding high on Billy Napier. Then it just, I mean, it came to a crashing stop. Tom, I say all that to say this. I'm throwing it to you. You're on Florida State minus nine and a half as well. Yeah, this is a Seminoles team that started October with losses to Wake Forest, Clemson, and NC State. And as Chip kind of highlighted there, ever since then has been an absolute wagon. It has been steamrolling teams. Now, granted, the schedule it's played has not been the most difficult schedule since those three losses, but I don't care as much about who you played about as I do how you played. And Florida State is playing very well. Honestly, if this team started the season over right now, it would probably be the favorite to win the ACC. It would be a possible college football playoff contender. That's how good the Seminoles have been. And going into this last game of the regular season, a rivalry game against Florida, I'm not sure what Florida's got to gain here. Like, there, if you're Anthony Richardson – you're staring at your name in a bunch of first-round mock drafts. You know that there's a decent chance that he's going to opt out of whatever bowl game Florida ends up in. He might already kind of be mentally opted out on this game. And defensively, Jake, just Jacob mentioned, Miller being out for the first half I think is huge. He's one of the best players on that Florida defense. And Florida's defense is bad. <laughs> so when I look at the matchup, I don't see the Gators getting many stops in this one at all. But I could see Florida State getting a few and maybe forcing a few turnovers. So I'm like, Chip, I don't see this one being finished in the single digits. I think this is a 10 to 14 point Florida State win, if not more. In fact, I'll probably be exploring the alternate line market a bit before this one kicks off. Nice. All right. There we go. There we go. All right, Micah, coming over to you, buddy. Uh, we've got Penn State, Michigan State. Penn State is an 18-point favorite. You are on the Nittany Lions. Bring it down. What do you see? Yeah, they're just playing better at this point. I mean, actually, there are only two losses this season to, let's see, Michigan and to Ohio State. And you're looking, this is the last six games against Rutgers, 55-10, against Maryland, 30 to nothing. with Janelle looks good based on the way Maryland played at Ohio State. 45-14 um, against Indiana, 31-44 lost against Ohio State. 45-17 against Minnesota, and it all started with a 41-17 loss to Michigan. And then what this is happening weekly is Sean Clifford has elevated his game immensely because they got that four-star uh, recruit that keeps coming in at the end of games when they're burying teams. So it's good for Clifford because he's keeping his job and still maintaining everything. But, you know, the, the, the dangling the four-star in front of him like that has, has worked. And it's made him better. It's made him smarter. 
Um, think about it now, nine, eight and three against the spread this season, correlation with the over and seven of those games this season, just nice two game parlay there. It's a side to total. Um, and you got the uh, home team or the favorite is eight and three against the spread in the last 11 meetings. I just think Penn State is on another level from where Michigan State is now. They've lost six of nine, two and seven against the spread their last nine, packed it in, nothing to gain here, um, except maybe a bowl, but uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Penn State. There we go. There we go. And speaking of motivation here, Fedder, coming over to you, you're playing the anti-motivation. <laughs> Uh, we've got Nebraska at Iowa. You're going Nebraska team total under 13 and a half. Oof. Oh, yeah. Fired I mean, I was, if I want to bet on anything in this game, it's going to be on Iowa's defense. Iowa's defense has held its last four opponents to 13 points or less. Nebraska has scored over 13 points just once in his last four, uh, four games, and that was 14 this past weekend to Wisconsin, which doesn't have as good of a defense as it usually does. Casey Thompson's definitely a little banged up. He's not fully healthy. That's not a good recipe against a really dominant Iowa defense. When Iowa, when Iowa was allowing other teams to score points, it was because Spencer Petras was throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball. They weren't sustaining long drives. He's actually been kind of solid the last couple of weeks. He's not turning the ball over. He, he's still very conservative, but I don't think Nebraska's defense is going to get any scores here. I like the team total under 13 and a half here. All right. All right, there we go. All right, Chip, coming back at you, man. We've got North Carolina at home against NC State. You're rolling North Carolina minus six and a half. What do you say? Yeah, um, this is a Friday afternoon game to, uh, you know, get, get get your appetite wet here. And the Tar Heels under Mac Brown, uh, since he returned, have done a pretty good job in some of these games against in-state opponents. And while they lost to NC State in a crazy back and forth last year with both teams blowing double-digit leads, <laughs> The first two times that Mac Brown, in his return to Chapel Hill, faced the Wolfpack, North Carolina won handily by double digits. And I think that North Carolina will be able to pick itself up off the mat after blowing that 17-0 lead to Georgia Tech. I don't think there's any way that Drake May is going to play as poorly as he did. And, you know, maybe dropping that pass against Georgia Tech is going to be a little bit of a wake-up call. Maybe Josh Downs has a, a tremendous response at the wide receiver position. Like, if North Carolina had barely squeaked out a win against Georgia Tech, I would not be as confident in the Tar Heels being able to cover against the Wolfpack. You know, maybe they would be a little bit too high on themselves, a little bit too high in the college football playoff rankings. But I think there's got to be a real sense of urgency within that program. And so give me North Carolina minus six and a half against a banged up Wolfpack team. Yeah, I like that on the banged up and not to mention the bounce back. Yeah, that's a real thing for sure. Now, on the, you're going the opposite side here for uh, Tom Fernelli. We've got Louisville at Kentucky. All right, you guys rode Louisville last week. Nice work on that. You're taking Louisville plus three on the road. What do you see? Yeah, I just – what Kentucky's biggest problem – I mean, offensively, it's been bad all year. It's offensive line. It's terrible. It has had real trouble, you know, opening lanes in the run game, and it's had especially been problematic for it protecting Will Levis, who's been getting taking shots all season long. It's just destroying what they're trying to do offensively. Well, Louisville has one of the best pass rushes in the country. It's 10th in pressure rate. I think it's 7th in sack rate. Doesn't seem like the greatest kind of, you know, combination for Kentucky to be facing in this game and I think there were plenty of jokes made about Mark Stoops getting that contract extension this week after losses to Vanderbilt and then the loss to Georgia I think they did it because they didn't want to give it to him after a third straight loss against Louisville and I think that there is a very real shot that this Louisville team that's got plenty of motivation coming into this game I think the Cardinals are probably going to win outright. I'm playing it a little safer here by taking the points, but I think Louisville's the better team and has been the better team than Kentucky over the second half of the season, and this line isn't an accurate reflection of where the two teams sit. Yeah, you know, I mean, Louisville's definitely been a much better team over the second half than Kentucky has, and that's an interesting point in regards to that contract. I think you're 100% right on that one for sure. All right, Fedder, coming over to you, man. We talk about rivalry week. All right, this is the game that everybody has their eyes set on. We've got Rice at North Texas. You're going North Texas minus 14. What do you see? Man? Absolutely. I'm going big game hunting right here. Uh, <laughs> like no, I, I, the North Texas, when they win, they win big. I've, all six of their wins this season have come by at least 17 points. Rice has gotten beaten up pretty good lately. Um, they've gotten killed in three of their last four games. And 
little, little McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey, he's been hurt the last two games and he was most of their offense when he was healthy. I, I haven't heard, I've been looking around for news about his health. I haven't seen anything. So I'm assuming he's out. If he's out, we have North Texas winning by 22 points in our Sims. We'd like them either way. If he does play as well, North Texas over the last two years, they are six and one against the spread at home. And when they win, they win big. I like North Texas here. All right. There we go, man. There we go. All right. Now, Chip, I'm coming up at you, man. Uh, give me two plays here. And Fernelli and Micah, your picks are all remaining from our big games. We're going to get to those in just a minute. Chip, hit me with two plays that you have here. First up, we've got Tennessee at Vanderbilt. All right. Tennessee's a 14 and a half point favorite. And then we have uh, Washington at Washington State, the Apple Cup. Uh, Washington is a two point favorite. You like Vanderbilt plus 14 and a half. I mean, come on, A.B. You really think that this Tennessee team, after losing Hendon Hooker for the season, is going to go in against the absolute killers that they have there in Nashville? I mean, look at the the way that this Vanderbilt team has finished the season, and it has been told to us by the general manager, Barton Simmons himself, that you could even look under the hood and you could see in the weeks leading up to that first SEC win against Kentucky – that things were starting to turn. And then against Florida, they not only were able to uh, score enough, but hold on and get stops against Anthony Richardson and one of the most versatile ground attacks in the entire SEC. I just think there is so much confidence right now. And the last two times that Vanderbilt was bowl eligible, Vanderbilt was five and six going into the final game of the regular season. The opponent was the Tennessee Volunteers. The setting was Nashville. And right now at five and six, Vanderbilt just needs a win to be bowl eligible here in year two with Clark Lee. But we're only betting on 14 and a half. We're not necessarily taking the money line, though. I don't hate it. If you got that kind of confidence, give me the doors plus 14 and a half. And finally, this Washington defense um, is a liability for Washington's uh, efforts to succeed. And I think that going into this rivalry spot, Washington State, uh, led by head coach Jake Dickert, Cam Ward at the quarterback position, Nikia Watson, you know, all these transfers that have come together to try and lead this effort for the Cougars. I think they've had a good couple of weeks. Washington is starting to see its Pac-12 title hopes slip away. This game, by the way, is at the very, very end of Saturday. When we talk about motivations, it is possible that the door has closed on Washington making the Pac-12 title game by the time this kicks off. If so, big motivational angle to the home team that would love to get an Apple Cup win. Ooh, I love that. That is a great eye right there. So to recap, Vanderbilt plus 14 and a half, Washington State plus two. All right, better take us home here. BYU at Stanford. You're taking the over, 57 and a half. Another huge game. Still going big game hunting. You know, this game starts at 11 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. I'm sure everyone's staying up for this game. No, but uh, for real, BYU just, uh, their defense got torched by Utah Tech last week. They weren't stopping anyone Stanford's not doing much on offense but they're down to like their fifth string running back who's a converted safety so they're throwing the ball every play both teams like to throw the ball neither defenses are very good we have the total coming at 60 I'm just betting on some points being scored late at night I like it man I like it all right let's get into our big games for the weekend but before we do let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we are back. All right, our first game, right to the egg bowl here. Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a two-point favorite, a total of 59. Micah, coming right at you. You've got two plays that are official that you like in this one. You like Ole Miss minus two. You like the over or the under at 60 and a half, which find your books. It's there right now. What do you think? Yeah, we got, uh, first of all, 62% chance of rain, 60 degrees, only five-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, that may do some play. But the last five meetings have gone under. Eight of the last have not gone under with these two. And it doesn't matter. It's like the underdog usually always wins, but this is close enough here. Mississippi's won the last two. They were a dog in each of those spots there. Uh, Mississippi State only one in three in away games this season, while Mississippi five and one at home. But both of these teams have fallen big time since the beginning. I mean, right? Both of them were doing extremely well. So uh, Mississippi State has lost three of their last five. One of those wins was against Eastern Tennessee and also beat Auburn 39-33 in overtime. And then on the other side, Mississippi, they they, they were 7-0, and right? Now they're 8-3, and so, um, you know, not bad losses. But uh, um, in this spot here, though, I think it's going to be the rushing game of Mississippi get number three in the nation. And that's where Mississippi State kind of struggles most of the time, right? The, the only two teams are worse at rushing the ball in college football, 78 yards per game. That's going to be the edge here, Mississippi and under. There we go, man. There we go. All right, Fernelli, throwing it over to you. Not an official play, but you lean the opposite side. Mississippi State plus two. What do you see? Yeah, this is definitely, as we talked about at the top of the show, this is a game I'll probably be waiting to bet live. I want to see how it starts, what the vibe is. But going off of now, my theory is I'm taking Mississippi State plus two simply because, as we kind of also touched at the top of the show, I mean, this is an Ole Miss team that two weeks ago was still playing for an SEC West division title, was still playing for possible conference title and maybe even a playoff berth. And now it has lost two straight. And I'm not sure what the motivation is. While Lane Kiffin's having fun on Twitter with, uh, you know, the reports of him going to Auburn and the speculation about it, I'm sure it's got to be distracting the team, the players in that locker room who, as we've talked about, are mostly transfers. They're they're not kids who grew up in Mississippi wanting to play for Ole Miss. They're mostly from all over the country. So maybe they've spent some time all week trying to wonder, is our coach going to leave? And if he does, what am I going to do? So I think for Mississippi State, you've got the more local kids angle. You've also got Mike Leach, who is yet to win an Egg Bowl. And I think that he kind of has to. Like, if Mike Leach loses this one to start 0-3 in his Egg Bowl history, I feel like that kind of leads into the offseason of, well, how much longer is Mike Leach going to get? Then you throw in the fact that his athletic director has left to take the Auburn job and things start getting kind of shaky. So I think if you're Mike Leach, this is a game you really want to have. So I just think that all the motivation is on Mississippi State side here. So that's where I'm going, but I'm going to wait till it starts before actually making a play. There we go. There we go. And, you know, it's fascinating. You were talking about Lane Kiffin on Twitter, and you're right. He's been having some fun for sure. And he said a lot. What he hasn't said is – I'm not, not going, going to Auburn. <laughs> yeah. He hadn't said that. Hadn't said that at all. So I well, like that would mess up the bidding war. You don't want to mess <laughs> up the money. You want yeah. them to be competing against each other. <laughs> that's also true. It would be wild, though, if he ended up taking that job. We're just saying, just for the, the example here, if Auburn you know, kind of just takes the AD on one side of the egg ball, the head coach on the other side of the egg ball, be fascinating. Maybe not fascinating. Who knows? Chip, well, you the leave. funniest possible outcome yeah. is it ends up being Mike Leach taking the Auburn job. Ooh. There you go. See, that's what I love. Auburn always throws a curveball into everything. <laughs> and we'll get into Auburn here in just a little while. Chip, not an official play, but you mean Mississippi State Bulls too as well. What do you see? Yeah, a lot of the same reasons uh, that my tag team partner, Tom Fernelli, is on the Bulldogs. I just, this Ole Miss team is kind of let go of the rope coming down the stretch. And so I don't trust the rebels and, you know, like him, I, it's not going to be something I want action on necessarily before the game. It was not something that I threw a lock on, on the cover three podcast, but if forced to choose between Ole Miss and Mississippi state, uh, I do think the Bulldogs, like I said, in our storylines has a little bit more Mississippi on the roster. And maybe that does matter when it comes time for cold, 
rainy, short week, nasty conditions. And when the want to is really going to be tested. There you go. Now, speaking of want to, Fetner, you lean towards the over here. What do you see in this game? Yeah, I was going back and forth and stumbling, deciding, deciding which side I wanted to be on. So I just went with over. I know that Micah said that this game has gone under a lot, but I mean, the past couple of years, it has been relatively high scoring. It still has gone under because the totals have been really high. So it could be at exactly 60. We hit both sides over 59 and under 60 and a half. But I don't trust Ole Miss's defense after that showing against Arkansas. I still don't trust Mississippi State as well. I don't know what their offense is going to be like. Their quarterback, Will Rogers, is good one week and bad the next week. Just don't trust either side. This is a game I would like to live bet, if anything. All right. I think Tom has started a live bet revolution here. You know what? I think it's going to go better than Ticketmaster and the Swifties as well. All right. Next game, Iowa State at TCU. All right. TCU fourth ranked. TCU is a 10-point favorite, a total of 47 and a half. Understand, what we saw last week, at least of the top five college football teams and maybe beyond, who's craziness, absolute craziness, and TCU comes on, beats Baylor with a last-second field goal uh, to win that game and stay in the college football playoff race. All right, so that being said, we have two official plays on it. Micah, I'm going to come to you first. You're on the under 47 and a half. What do you see? Yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa State here and what they've been doing all season long, which is uh, nine of their 11 games have stayed under the total. And they play the close games, right? They've run the ball well, um, but the uh, seven of the last eight they've lost. But they've all been close, like uh, double digits or less, uh, three points, four points, two. And TCU's done the same thing. So since they beat Oklahoma 55-24, They've been 10 points or less in their margin of victories as well. Um, I just think this is going to be a spot where it's going to be slowed down. It's going to be played to Iowa State's place. You might have TCU down at some point, and they have to come back and win again. It seems like that's what they've been doing weekly, and they managed to do well covered. I mean, last week, closed at one and a half. They win by one, so they didn't get the cover there. But still, 11-0, super impressive, and this is one of those things they got to get over to try to get to the Big 12 title. And I, I just um, – I think it will be a low-scoring game here. So that's what I'm looking at here. And we've got 15-mile-an-hour winds, 23% rain, 54 degrees. So might have a little something to do with the pass attack of, of uh, TCU there. But uh, both these teams will be running there and uh, look forward to the under. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game, man. And you know what? I'll tell you what. You know, kind of on your theory there, rolling with, uh, with, with how Iowa State games tend to go. Tom Fernella, you got an official pick. Iowa State plus 10. What do you say? Yeah, you mentioned it's going to be raining. That means means the field might get a little muddy, might get a little mucky, which is exactly <laughs> where T- Iowa State loves to play. Everybody, Mike had touched on it. Like most of the reasons he's on the under is why I'm on Iowa State in the points because this is a team that drags everybody down into the muck with it. They've lost seven games. There was the 13-point loss to Oklahoma and then the six other losses, which have all come by a total of 24 points. It doesn't matter who Iowa State's playing. It plays an ugly, boring, slow game against them. It forces them to play the same way, and then it loses by single digits. And I think we're going (laughs) to see the same thing in this spot because, you know, like, obviously, the game against Texas felt like an outlier at the time for TCU's offense because they'd been so explosive all season long. But it wasn't just that game. If you look at TCU's last three games offensively, it has not performed at near the same level it was over the first seven games of the season. So it's a TCU offense that has started to lose steam against an Iowa State team that has taken the steam out of every offense it has faced. Give me the Cyclones plus 10. I think TCU manages to escape when still undefeated and win, but it is going to be another uncomfortable weekend for Horned Frogs fans. (laughs) <laughs> just circle whatever you play Iowa State. Welcome to hell. That's what you get. Just welcome. Now, Chip, not official, but you lean the same way. Iowa State plus 10. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is, uh, I think my colleague Bud Elliott said it's almost Scott Frostian, how Matt Campbell's stringing together these one-score losses. Uh, he just continues to lose close games. It is, I guess, a credit to the Iowa State defense, but also criticism for the offense's inability to really be explosive And I think that TCU playing with the weight of the world is going to get drugged down into an Iowa State kind of game. So give me those double-digit points. Nice. All right. Fetch show. Again, just a lean, not official. But you kind of agree with Micah here on the under. 
Exactly. I agree with Micah. And so the over under total, the total set at 47 and a half. Last week, Iowa State, Texas Tech closed at 47 and a half, and that game went well under. The week before, Iowa State, Oklahoma State closed at 47 and a half. That went well under as well. I was thinking about TCU minus three and a half in the second half. They, they've been slow to start games and coming on the second half and winning. But I like the under here a lot. I think uh, TCU has been playing a lot slower. They're slowing down things. Uh, Kendrick Miller is a little banged up. That worries me here. Uh, but I, if anything, I like the under a lot. Buddy, you aren't lying. If there's one team that is a second-half play, it's TCU. <laughs> like, them boys score points in the second half constantly. All right, next game here. Going to the Iron Bowl, the state of Alabama. We've got Auburn at seventh-ranked Alabama. Alabama, a 22-point favorite. A total of 49. Micah, you got an official play. Going Alabama, minus 22. What do you say? I got to go Alabama. Robbie Ashford, I mean, just horrible those last two games, but they got the wins, uh, right? The last two, Cadillac, and the last, they've covered their last three, but they're 0-3 away, not play. And then Alabama 6-0 and at home. And the thing about Alabama, uh, this turnover margin, minus four, number 98. It's one of those things that you can say, wow, this is, this is part of why they're 5-6 and six against the spread. Part of why they lost two. Um, 12 gained. That's it from the defense. 16 lost, nine fumbles. And in no way, I, I don't hear anybody talking about that, but that's one of those things that just seems um, un Alabama like. But in this spot here, I just I don't see Auburn covering. I see Alabama being a little bit angry. And it is going to rain, 85% chance of rain, eight mile an hour winds, not too bad. But Alabama and their last nine versus losing teams, they've covered all nine. And Al Auburn fits that mantra of a losing team. Alabama rolls here. There you go. Now, not an official play, but Chip, you pretty much lean with how Micah just broke this thing down. Auburn team total under 13 and a half. Yeah, I think that this is a Will Anderson, uh, you know, spotlight game. I think this is a Alabama's defense just squeezes the life out of the Tigers. I don't want to bet on an Alabama offense that has been a little bit inconsistent throughout the season, though I will admit we are at home where that offense has been much better than when it's in a true road environment but they've also just been squeezing the life out of people uh, defensively. So, you know, we have a, an awesome motivational angle for the Alabama Crimson Tide because Nick Saban talks to his players like they are men. Nick Saban says, you are playing for your draft stock. He, like, doesn't even, like, cut through it. He says, the scouts that are here to watch you are watching you every single snap, and if you dog it out there, it's going to impact the money that you are able to make at the next level and I think that Will Anderson, somebody who could even be in the running for, you know, number one or top two or maybe even top three pick in the NFL draft. I think he's got to look at this one because I don't know if he's going to play a bowl game, but I think he's going to play in this game. And I think that he's going to absolutely ball out. Yeah, this is a business trip. I know that they're playing at home, obviously, but you're right. I mean, that, that that's a business trip type game for sure. All right. For Nelly and Fetner, you both lean the same way. Auburn plus 22. Tom Sardis. Better finishes up. Yeah, this will be another live bet special for me in real life. But as far as the pregame pick, give me Auburn because I don't buy anything that Chip just said. Nick Saban, <laughs> Nick Saban could tell his players that you're playing for your draft stock right now. But you know what I'm thinking if I'm told I'm playing for my draft stock? This game doesn't mean anything to me. My draft stock does. I'm not going to kill myself in this game because Alabama doesn't have a division title to play for. It doesn't have an SEC title to play for. And while some people still seem to think it has a playoff berth to play for, I think it has a better shot of winning the lottery than it does everything it would need to happen for it to, get, to be selected for the college football playoff this year. Alabama's going to be opting out of the bowl games. A bunch of players will. I think plenty of them might be opting out of this game too, which is why I want to wait until the game starts to see how it goes. But also, I don't have any of those questions about Auburn. Cadillac Williams has kind of just sent a jolt of electricity through that locker room that had not existed. And this is a team that really, I mean, if there's anything in the world it has right now, this is its Super Bowl. It wants to beat Alabama. It wants to win the Iron Bowl. If it does, given everything terrible that's happened, this becomes a successful season. If Alabama wins this game, it changes nothing. If Alabama loses this game, it changes nothing. Give me the team with the reason to be there. That's a great point, man. Fetch show, what do you got? 
Yeah, everyone's talking about the lane train taking over, but the Cadillac wants the keys. Uh, they're 3-0 and ATS since he's taken over. They're playing well. They've definitely had more energy. And if this game does rain, Auburn's just run the ball pretty much every down. Uh, Alabama's front seven, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to hurt their draft stock. Jameer Gibbs is hurt. So if it's a run-dominant game, I kind of like Auburn to cover 22. All right, man. There we go. Well done. All right, next game here. 15th-ranked Notre Dame at 6th-ranked USC. Now, USC, they've been showing out. They've been putting up points. They've been looking good. Got themselves positioned nicely here right at the end of the season. USC at home is a a 5.5-point favorite. Got a total of 64-and-a-half. Micah, you are feeling it in this one. Our West Coast guy, you've got two official plays. Notre Dame plus 5.5 and and the over 64-and-a-half. Yeah, and I'm rooting for USC. I want to see them make the uh, uh, playoffs. But I'm looking at what they've done. Uh, UCLA 48-45, Colorado 55-17, Cal 41-35, Arizona 45-37, and Utah 43-42. There's a lot of 40s in those points allowed by USC. And while Drew Pine isn't, you know, going to light up the scoreboard, they are going to score because that's just what UCI, UCLA allows. Now, they're the number one uh, turnover margin team in the country, plus 21. Only one fumble on the year. That's pretty impressive. But Notre Dame has won their last five, gone over their last five. They've had their best wins during that time. Uh, Clemson win was there. And when I look at USC, their best wins, I go, okay, UCLA. Okay, who's next? Oregon State. And I'm just like, man, that is not a very good resume. And 10 and 1 is 10 and 1. 7 4 against the spread is impressive, but it's, you know, a lot of Pac 12 competition, not very good. But the offenses that were poor rose up. I mean, Colorado scoring 17 against USC. I mean, that's the perfect example right there. So that's it. Notre Dame, I I think they're going to play well in this game. They've won the last four meetings. I think this is a, a good spot for them. You know, maybe for USC to have that last drive coming down, they're down by three, you know, two, and uh, kick the field goal to win or something. I'd be happy with that. But I, I think taking the points with Notre Dame's the way, way to go here. Well, I'll tell you what. You know what? First off, I don't disagree at all. Second, everyone on this panel completely agrees with you. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, you're the only one that has an official, but leans across the board. All of them are Notre Dame five and a half. So, Chip Stardust, Tom after him, Fetcho after Tom. You know, you mentioned not lighting up the scoreboard, but Notre Dame actually has been historically lighting up the scoreboard because Notre Dame has scored 35 or more points in five consecutive games. In 134 years of Notre Dame football, a five-game streak of scoring 35 points or more has only happened once. And never in 134 years of Notre Dame football have there been six straight 35-point games, and that absolutely could happen. Additionally, the last time that Notre Dame lost a game in November, the end of the 2017 season, this program has won 19 straight games in the month of November. It is no November, and we are going to see the Fighting Irish get ourselves a cover. No November. No Uh, You know what? If it's not too late, I would like to make this an official play. All right. Notre Dame plus five and a half. Uh... I mean, Notre Dame, Chip mentioned the offense has been fired. Like it clicked. They figured things out. They've begun leaning on their run game and they're facing a USC team that cannot stop the run. USC's only defense is forcing turnovers, but 18 of the 24 turnovers that it's forced have been interceptions. You can't intercept a ball if it's never thrown. And Notre Dame is not throwing the football. So I don't see USC getting any stops. And also, if we just look, USC is coming off its biggest win of the season. It beat UCLA in you know the, its rivalry game. Caleb Williams had a fantastic game. Caleb Williams is now, if you look at some Heisman straw polls, he's the leader in these straw polls. He's feeling himself. But you know what USC hasn't done? It hasn't faced a good defense all season long. If you look at its schedule, the best defense the Trojans have faced is like, I don't know, Cal? Utah, none of them are that good. It's like, this is a good Notre Dame defense, a Notre Dame defense that held Ohio State to 21 points to start the season. The only team that's really been able to slow the Buckeyes down. And I love Caleb Williams. I think he's a great player, and I think he could win the Heisman, and I think he was awesome last week, and he's having an awesome season. 
but he also has some stinkers in him there. If you go look at through his game log, he's had some games where he's completed like 55% of his passes. He's averaged under seven yards per attempt. This is a very good defense he's facing. I'm not saying I think USC is going to lose because I think they are strong enough offensively to beat anybody in the country. The problem is I don't see them getting any stops, which makes it really difficult to cover a spread anytime you're playing another good team. So give me the Irish plus five and a half. It's going to be close. It's going to be scary. I don't know who's going to win. All right. We got the late edition official there. Tom is on Notre Dame plus five and a half. Fetch show. You lean. Yeah, I wouldn't mind putting a little money line sprinkle on this game as well. I think Notre Dame could definitely win this game. USC has been winning because they've been getting all these takeaways. That's how the game turned last week. DTR had a couple really bad picks to end the first half when UCLA was moving the ball pretty easily. USC also got they, – they allowed a lot of yards to Colorado the week before. Colorado just turned the ball over. Drew Pine only has five interceptions all season. Running backs, Logan Diggs and Audric Estime, they're running all over the place. Notre Dame plays their best when they're road underdogs, and that's exactly what they are here. I like Notre Dame plus five and a half. All right. All right. Our next game here, going to go. We've got fifth-ranked LSU, a 10-point favorite on the road at Jimbo Fisher's fighting Texas A&M Aggies here. Total of 47 and a half. Now, we've got three official plays on this one. Micah, I'm going to start with you. You're on the under 47 and a half. Yeah, I think, you know, that's not a stretch from the average score of LSU 33 to 20. Go under there with a team that doesn't score a lot and plays a decent defense at home. Their last game, this is it for them. This is this is their Super Bowl, right? And, and the way that I look at the last three games, Connor Wigman, not bad. Uh, six touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a, a good point, I guess, if you're going to throw out something with the A&M passing game. Um, but the pressure of LSU, like, okay, this is they have to win this game. And I don't think it'll be as easy as maybe it looks on paper. Um, I think a and is going to play a spirited game, especially defensively. It'll be another low-scoring game, maybe like a 17-9, 17-10. Who knows who will win? Uh, LSU probably will, but I do think a and defense will play well under is the play for me. Okay. All right. Now, I'll tell you what. Fetch Show, you've got an official play. Texas A&M team total under 18 and a half. Yeah, I'm honestly pretty surprised that this line is above two touchdowns. When I saw 18 and a half, I had to take it. Texas A&M put up t- just 20 points on UMass last week. UMass allows everyone to score. They allowed FCS teams to score on them. Before they might the- be the worst team in the country. Like, they're in the argument. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. Are. Uh, I mean, our uh, database has, the, has UMass as the worst team in the country. <laughs> there but, you go. Before, Texas A&M just put 10 on Auburn. LSU has turned things around a lot because of their defense. Guys like Harold Perkins are becoming dominant. Harold Perkins, last year, around last year, committed to Texas A&M, but flipped on National Signing Day to LSU. He's going to show out here. I, I think if, if Texas A&M keeps it close, it's going to be because both teams are struggling on offense. Uh, but the common factor is Texas A&M struggling on offense. I, I think they score well below 18 and a half. All right. Now, I'll tell you what. We were talking about the transfer portal earlier. I am fascinated to see what that Texas A&M roster looks like next year compared to, to this year. I think that they could have a mass exodus of players. They already got paid. I mean, they're, they're all their players yeah, got right? paid. Now they're down there. Ready to go. Yeah, ain't no, rece- there ain't no receipts on that one. So, Chip, you've got an official play. You're on the opposite side. LSU minus 10. Bring it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that Texas A&M is in a position where um, – the effort against UMass was not inspiring. And I think that LSU knows as it starts to look at its situation, what's on deck with the game against Georgia, they might pack it in in the second half, but only after establishing a two-touchdown lead. I like LSU to be able to be the better team here. I think Jaden Daniels makes things happen with his legs. I think that everybody on that staff, from Mike Denbrock as the offensive coordinator, Matt House as the defensive coordinator, Brian Kelly as the head coach, they need to do a full diagnostic of this LSU team heading into the toughest test of the season, going up against the Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta. There is no reason to just totally pack this thing in. LSU, if they do go cruise control, it's only after they've established a very, very sizable lead. I will lay the points with the Tigers. All right. Diagnostic week, baby. I like that. And the other member of the Midnight Express right over there, Tom Fernelli. Not an official play, but you lean and agree with Chip, LSU most definitely. 
Yeah, there's a bug going around that I know a lot of people have. It's got them kind of down this week. It's called the portal flu and transfer from <laughs> Texas A&M. I almost called them transfer A&M. Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, Texas A&M's got it. And honestly, you know, not to denigrate Ed Orgeron, who won a national title at LSU, but I feel like if Orgeron were still the coach, I would probably be on A&M plus 10 simply because I'd be worried about LSU looking ahead to the SEC championship. I don't think Brian Kelly's team does that. I think, if anything, they're probably going to cover this, and it's probably going to be pretty it's pretty easy. It's just I'm not ready to make it an official play, just because in case there's like a second-half kind of backdoor situation. There we go. There we go. All right, our final game here. Damn it, I wanted to use that rice joke again. <laughs> don't lose <laughs> to food. Yeah, well, that and also I wanted to just name out like the worst game that was going to be. This <laughs> We've got third-ranked Michigan. At second-ranked Ohio State. Oh, this Ohio game. State. That's right. Yeah. This game. I know. <laughs> Who, who's looking at this one? Ohio State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. All right. A total of 56. Micah, you always go big game, honey. You've got two official plays on this game. Michigan plus seven-and-a-half and the over of 56. Yeah. Well, over happens. It's happened the last eight meetings, right? So you can just check that off right there. That's going to happen again. You got uh, only eight mile an hour winds, 50 degrees, no chance of rain. So the weather's going to be good football weather. And I'm buying into the Jim Harbaugh, rah, rah. This is our time. This is our moment. And I think it is number one defense of the nation, number two in points allowed 11 points per game. And some of these stats here after 42, 27, uh, last season, that ended an eight, OSU eight-game win streak against Michigan. So Michigan's going to be hyped for this. And they're over 16-5 and five in the last 21, 6-2 um, and two over in the last eight at OSU. And the underdog is 4-1 and one against spread in the last five. And nothing against OSU, but uh, the game against Maryland really showed me a lot about them. Um, they've gone 1-3 and three against spread in their last four. Look a little sluggish. I mean – can't get up for this game, then you can't get up. But uh, Michigan, I think, will have that edge, and I think they might even win. All right, there we go. You got the hook in your favor too. Now, here's the interesting part. So you and official, all these are leans. Just want to say that, so you know we're not putting any wrong info out. But all three guys lean on the under of fifty six. So Tom Stardust, Fet Show after him, Chip finish this up. I just I have too many questions about Blake Corum. Like Blake Corm says he's okay, but if his he was that fine, why is he not playing during the second half of a game Michigan was trailing until the final seconds? It seems to me that it has to be somewhat serious for them to hold him out of the rest of that game when they really could have used him. And if he is back this week against Ohio State, is he at 100%? Is he closer to 75%? That's very important to know because Michigan's entire offense is pretty much built around Blake Corm. And we also have to remember that their backup running back, Donovan Edwards, missed last week's game against Illinois. So their top two backs are less than 100% right now. And this is not a team that's been able to pass the ball all that effectively all season long against an Ohio State defense that's weakness is in its secondary. So I'm not saying I don't think Michigan can win this game because I do think that they have a great offensive line. I think they have a great defensive line. And I think that's going to go a huge way in this matchup. But if Michigan wins this game, it's going to be lower scoring. If either side is capable of blowing the other one out, I think it's Ohio State. But I think the more likely scenario is Michigan's defense gives the Ohio State offense more fits than most other teams have been able to. So when I look at this one, I don't know who's going to win. But more often than not, the final scores, in my estimation, is going to be finishing below 56 points and over it. So my lean is towards the under. All right. Fetcho, talk to me. Yeah, so my lean is towards the under. I'm still not confident. You know, this is not a Rice-North Texas game, so um, <laughs> not sure if I have a good play here. No, um, so I, if Blake Corum does play, we have the total going around 60. If he doesn't play, we have it going around 56. If both him and Donovan Edwards are both out, we have it at 54. So, And both of them are banged up. We saw last week Michigan's offense just doesn't run the same without Blake Corum. I'm still on the Blake Corum-Heisman train. I still think plus 1,800 on DraftKings right now is still good value. That's where I got it a while back. He's been the most consistent player. I think Notre Dame could give Caleb Williams some trouble this week. And I also think that Michigan's defense could give C.J. Stroud some problems. If this game is close, if Michigan wins, I think it's worth the sprinkle plus 1,800 for Corm to win the Heisman. My, my biggest lane here is just on the under. That's the only thing I trust. 
All right. There we go. Chip, bring us home, my man. So Michigan's defense is going to be one of the best defenses that Ohio State has faced all year. But Michigan's offense also has trouble doing one thing, and that is consistently turning scoring opportunities into touchdowns. It makes Jake Moody one of the most productive kickers in the entire country, but it also means that it is difficult for Michigan, a team that moves the ball well between the 20s, to be able to get the points needed for this to go over. I think that Ohio State might be okay to play a little bit of bend but don't break, toughen up when you get into the red zone. And so it is Michigan and how often the Wolverines have to settle for a field goal that actually has me inspired as much as their defense uh, to, to go under the total as my lean. There we go, man. There we go. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil. Let's take a recap here. It is glorious. Micah Roberts is on Penn State minus 18, Ole Miss minus 2, Mississippi State, Ole Miss under 60 and a half, Iowa State, TCU under 47 and a half, Alabama minus 22, Notre Dame plus 5 and a half, Notre Dame at USC over 64 and a half, LSU, Texas A&M under 47 and a half, Michigan plus 7 and a half, Michigan, Ohio State over 56. Tom Fernelli is on Notre Dame plus 5 and a half. It's not on the graphic, but we added that one in here. So Notre Dame plus 5 and a half, Iowa State plus 10. Florida State minus nine and a half and Louisville plus three. Chip Patterson is on Florida State minus nine and a half. North Carolina minus six and a half. Vanderbilt plus 14 and a half. Washington State plus two and LSU minus 10. Fetcho is on Nebraska team total under 13 and a half. North Texas minus 14. BYU Stanford over 57 and a half. And Texas A&M team total under 18 and a half. All right. As we always do, first off, guys, thank you again. Uh, it's crazy to think that we're already at the end of the regular season. Uh, we've got bowl games, conference championships coming up. But, man, cannot thank you guys enough for all the time that you've spent with us. We really, really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for that. I want everybody to have a happy Thanksgiving. But as we also always do, want to make sure that we are tuned in to everything that you guys are doing for the remainder of the week and weekend in college football and in all sports, really. Micah, I start with you, and I say all sports because you cover all sports. What do you need to be paying attention to? Uh, everything. A busy weekend. College basketball. I think this is the last one where, uh, you know, in the old days, we would have these sportsbook boards, and you'd have to rotate pages on one because we had too much college football, too much college basketball, and that's what's going on now. So the college basketball has been a little tough for me to start, but uh, you just got to keep working the numbers out, and they go your way. There we go. There we go. Tom Fernelli, talk to me. Best way to recover in college basketball is to just fade Louisville blindly at this point. <laughs> uh, got cover three, as always, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, 11 a.m. Eastern. Saturday night, we'll be back at 11.30 East, p.m. Eastern to recap the day's events. But before that, check us out at 2.30 Eastern time before the Iron Bowl chip. Me and some special guests will be previewing the Iron Bowl, breaking everything down that you need to know ahead of the SEC on CBS Game of the Week. Nice. Chip? Yeah, Friday's a baby Saturday this week. So Tom and I are going to be on at 11 a.m. Eastern time on CBS Sports HQ, just like it's a Saturday. Uh, be back at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday as well. Tom mentioned the 2.30 hangout with a special guest, a former Alabama linebacker. I'll let you guess who that might be. There's a lot that you could choose from. Alabama. Are you saying Will Anderson just enters the transfer portal? Yes, <laughs> he's doing the show with us. Of the three podcasts. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yes, of course, we are just all eyes on the lane train. What happens this weekend? Will there be an emergency podcast by the time we get back together on Monday? We will see. I love it, man. Fetcho, we always get an update from you at the beginning of the show. But anything you need to plug, where are you going for Thanksgiving, man? I'm staying home in Jacksonville. I'm going to watch the Gators lose tomorrow to Florida State, unfortunately, um, or in, in two days. Um, but we're off to a really strong start in college basketball. We're 5-1 and one this week. Hopefully Wisconsin hits today and pulls off this win over Dayton. We have them at plus 120. That would be another good hit this to the week. And uh, just living life. All right. Well, I'm on Arizona college basketball minus 2.5 here in about two hours. How do you feel about that? I mean, Arizona, Tommy Lloyd, never a bad play. He's got that offense rocking. I know that was a, yeah, San Diego State's a very good team, and they I were just getting shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's definitely never a bad play with Tommy Lloyd. He's under that Gonzaga um, that Gonzaga offense. He, he was coaching there for 20 years. 
the same Wagon. point, actually. There's 62% field goal and 39% opponent's field goal. That looks like a, exactly like Gonzaga. Lloyd doing a great job. It does. You're exactly right, man. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a happy uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Be safe out there. We sure do appreciate you, and we will see you next week at, well, I'll tell you what. I'll get back to you on what we're going to do because we've got conference championships and we've got bowl games coming up, and I've already worked our guys to death, so I don't want to do that. I know they have a lot, but I will get back to you with timing and all of that. But until then, best of luck. Catch these tickets. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.